this once a month, and, all, and it's going to be free will offering, and uh, all of the proceeds go to the building fund. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? You get donuts, the building gets built. We are, again, I mentioned this Sunday, we are a, a little ways away from that. You know, I was thinking two or three weeks, four or five on the outside, and it's, it's looking like three, four months uh, before we can even get started. And uh, that's mostly just city stuff. We just have to jump through a lot of hoops with the city when it comes to the engineer drawings. And, and, uh, and there are a few things that we asked the city to change, which they did, and it's saving us a lot of money, a whole lot of money. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a positive right there. So a few extra weeks to save two, t- $250,000 is worth it. Uh, so, um, so that's that, uh, how that's happening. Um, also, I wanted Paul. Paul, where did you go? Um, Paul wants to uh, make an announcement for us to let us know something that's happened. So for over a decade now, I have watched Aiden take care of his dad, and today Aiden has given that care over to Christ, and uh, his dad passed at about 11.15 this morning, and uh, it's been an honor to watch Aiden walk through that with his dad. So instead of him having to say it a dozen times, uh, I offered to say it once. So bless you, Aiden. Yeah, we, many of you got to know uh, Aiden's father when he was around here uh, coming to church and doing some things. Just a, just a fun guy, um, always smiling, that kind of thing. We did have an opportunity. Aiden set this up yesterday. Hello? Oh. That um, we got to go with the whole family. We went there and um, got to talk with his dad. It was, I mean, he's in coma state, but... I just am one of those people that believe that they probably are hearing a lot more than you think they are. They're responding a lot more than, than you are. But they just physically can't anymore. And then we got an opportunity to talk to him. All of the family, all of Aiden's family was there gathered around. We were, got an opportunity to pray and talk. And even the uh, director of the nursing home came in and the director of nurses uh, for, the, uh, for the memory care unit came in and, and just stood there with us and prayed. And it was just a, it was one of those moments you just, you, you're thankful that you have, you know, years later. And so... So be praying for Aiden and all the family. We'll let you know about um, services. We know that there's, there's going to be one out at the um, veterans, at Pike Speak Veterans. Um, and so that probably be limited to family and stuff like that. And, and then and he'll let us know if he's going to do something uh, here, memorial, something like that. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that. So, um, so without anything else, uh, we want to introduce you to Marilee. Some of you know her, some of you may not. Um, she, she splits her time between here and Michigan. I know, I don't understand that either. You hear Michigan, Detroit. So, but that's her choice. Um, but she's, she's ordained with uh, the Summons of God in Michigan, and so... Um, she's going to come speak to us tonight, and she's written a book. Hopefully, you will talk to us a little bit about that, I'm assuming. Plug it, do something. She's written a book, but it's still being, um, still being edited and some of those kind of things. But I, um, because I'm a very influential uh, person in this world, I have, a, I have a copy. And so I've been reading that, and it's a solid book. In fact, I was telling her about that yesterday. I think very important, the message. I won't, I won't mess it all up or anything. I'll let her tell you what she wants to, but just solid, solid with that. Um, retired military, all these other things that I, hopefully she will tell us what she needs or what wants us to know. So, Marilee. 
Do you want this, Ken? Yes, I do. So happy news, sad news, as we begin tonight. Um, first of all, the happy news is we have a new believer up in Quebec, Canada. So, and he's watching tonight, so can we say praise the Lord that he has found his way to Christ? So it's a good day when, uh, when that happens. Um, what's sad about tonight is I don't get to hear Scott preach, right? And I know some of you out there are going, darn it, because he's so good. And, and I tell you, what a blessing this church is. I, I'm telling you, guys, really. You know, I, I preach and teach around the world, and uh, I have grown to respect Scott and Linda so much and uh, really enjoy his preaching. So a little sad, can't hear him tonight, but my prayer is that uh, the message that the Lord gave me for you guys tonight will bless you in a small way. So if you allow me to open us in prayer, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father God, this night is for you. It's for your church, for your people, and most of all, for your glory. So, Father God, use me as your vessel to bring forth your words in your way for your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you about missions and miracles. Do you believe? So, I know Scott has talked a little bit about missions before. Let me turn this on. So, why missions? Why do we do missions? What are missions? What's the number one reason we do missions? Outreach, right? That's right, the Great Commission, right? <laughs> so let's just read this for those of you that don't know it. So some of the last words in Matthew are, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then, of course, Mark, the Gospel of Mark ends with, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Those are powerful words that we should be thinking about with our friends that are not saved. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So, do we believe those things happen today? We're going to talk about that tonight. So, the Great Commission tells us to go. So, who's called to go? Are we all called in some way? Do we all need to go out in the field? Some are called to be missionaries out there in the four ends of the earth. Some are called to be missionaries at home maybe with their work colleagues and with their neighbors. So I want you to think about for a minute, who is the typical missionary? Right? What, what kind of pops to your mind when you think of a typical missionary? You may recognize some of these pictures. These are out in the lobby area of the church. And to me, I think it's a great testament that this church supports so many missionaries from all over the world. And these are people, I don't know all of their stories, 
But these are people who packed up their homes and their livelihoods, and they are trying to uh, share the gospel in, in most cases, a very difficult place to do that. And so, you know, what does it take to be a missionary in a foreign country? It's pretty tough. So, so let's think for a minute. Besides Jesus, who was the greatest missionary in the New Testament? Who do you think? Paul. I agree. So let's look at what made Paul an ideal missionary. So first of all, he was called, right? If you do not know how Paul got called and fell off his horse on the road to Damascus, then look in uh, Acts chapter 9. Great story from a man who persecuted the church and then met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus. Most of us know about that, but we all know he was also a Pharisee, right? And he even said he was a Pharisee on the line of Pharisees. He had incredible Jewish credentials, really knew the law, and was trained by some of the top leaders of the day. He was also from Tarsus, which was a key Roman trade location. Tarsus still exists today. It's on the southern coast of Turkey. So because he was from that area, he knew the cultures. He knew the Roman cultures. He knew the Greek cultures. He knew the Jewish cultures. And all these things kind of formed together to make him a pretty incredible missionary. Something else we learn about Paul is he was born a Roman citizen. And that was very rare for a Hebrew in that day to be a Roman citizen. But when you read his stories and act, you find out how beneficial that was to him. He also had skills as a tent maker. He could support himself when he needed to do that. And all these things kind of combined together, and that's what made him such an effective missionary, not only for some of the short trips that he did, but also for the times that he stayed for a few years. And you know what? Even though Paul probably didn't realize it, the Lord was forming all these things together really for his good, right? So, and they all formed together to make him such an incredible missionary in the New Testament. So, for those of us that have callings in our lives, do you think the Lord just sends us out there unprepared? No, he's building stuff in us, stuff that we may not realize that is going to be a benefit to him when we do his work for the kingdom. So, what about me? Do you think I'm your typical missionary? <laughs> Probably not. Like Pastor Scott said, I have an interesting military background. So I'm going to show you a picture. I want you to see if you can find me in that picture, okay? And none of you, my gang here, can, can do this. So you guys ready? I want to see you raise your hand when you see me in a picture. Okay, you ready? Okay. So where am I? On the right. So over here with all these short people? Because you know I'm not over here with all these tall people, right? <laughs> Front center, you think this is me leading those troops? Yes, you are right. So I was the base commander at Aldafra Air Base. This was about a third of the people that worked for me at the time. The rest were working or sleeping at that time. So obviously, I have a very unique background for a typical missionary. I served 30 years in the Air Force, retired as a colonel. 
was able to command four different times, uh, got shot at a little bit over in Afghanistan, my dear friend Francine. So sometimes you don't really know how you're going to act when you get in combat. We watched our, our general boss hide in his office, and, and two young men hide under a desk for three hours while Francine and I <laughs> uh, planned the counterattack. So, um, so go girls, right? <laughs> So, and yes, this is me in Afghanistan, and you know, it pays to be ambidextrous. So, nine mil, M4, one in each hand, right? Everybody wanted to travel with me. So, so that's a little bit about my background. So, what I wanted to impress upon you is that regardless of what we're brought up, the things that we think don't make sense, these may be things that God is using in you to call you into missions. So to tell you a little bit more about myself, first of all, this is my super awesome daughter. Her name is Leah, and she is in her last year of medical school in Connecticut. So she's hoping to find out and to be matched with a, she, she only wants to do a five-year residency in internal medicine and, and emergency medicine because she wants to know it all and do it all. I don't know where she gets that from. So... Um, yes, I'm a Michigan resident. I uh, have my credentials through um, the Michigan District. Um, this is my family home. My parents designed and built that house. Uh, if you can't tell, there's 37 tons of steel in that house. My dad was an iron worker. And uh, really, it's taken me most of the last five years to restore it uh, to its present condition. So, uh, so I do go up there, um, do some preaching and teaching up there. Uh, you'll see I have an engineering degree. And you're thinking, why is she bringing that up? Well, I'm going to talk about that later. So that's kind of opened some interesting doors for me. Um, I do have a, a theology degree, a ministry degree, and like a lot of military people, they send you to school a lot, right? So that's how I ended up with three master's degrees. Um, so how did I end up here in Colorado? Duh, the military, right? So I was first here for six years, spent some time in NORAD, and uh, actually commanded the communication squadron during 911, which happened to be a pretty busy time for some of us. Um, after being here six years, I really didn't think they'd send me back, but I came back three years later to be the base commander out at Schriever. And then because I did volunteer to go to Afghanistan, um, and the Lord told me to come back here for my last tour to retire. So you may think, wait, I never saw Merrily around here. Well, I have been affiliated with New Life Church, uh, that was where the Lord told me to go. I still work with New Life Church. Um, I've done a lot of mission trips with them. I still do some teaching for them. I'm actually going to be teaching for them on Valentine's Day. I'm also on the board of directors for the Colorado Springs Dream Centers. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. That was a vision from Pastor Brady Board at a New Life when he went to the mayor one day and said, how can we, the church, serve the community? The mayor said, we have a shortage in women's health, so... They stood up uh, the nonprofit, and they built a free women's health clinic, which is down on Monticello. Once we got that stood up, Brady again went back to the mayor and said, what else can we do? And he said, we need a place for homeless women. And it's, a, it's really a transition program. It's not a stay here till you get a job. It's we want you to spend the first six months to heal. We're going to counsel you. We're going to help you. And when you graduate from this program, you're going to be out of the poverty cycle. So I've been pretty honored to be on that board of directors for many years now. So, um, so you may think, okay, how did that all lead to missions? You know, what was God's plan versus my plan, 
right? God had said merely, I want you to go into full-time ministry when you retire. Not a lot of retired colonels out there doing full-time ministry right now. And I figure, well, he wants me to go to Colorado Springs. There's all these big churches here, right? There's lots of big Christian organizations. I'm just going to come here and kind of do the same job I did in the military, but in a Christian organization. That was my plan. You think that was God's plan? No. <laughs> he had his own idea on what he wanted me to do. And it, he kept bringing me back to this verse, one of my favorite verses in the Bible from Isaiah. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. That was kind of the cornerstone verse for me. And what was interesting is even while I was in the military, I started doing some short-term trips. I did four before I retired. My first trip was with, uh, I don't know if any of you guys remember Teen Mania, Global Expeditions. I actually led a team to St. Petersburg, Russia, 2004. My daughter was 11. She went with me. Did a lot of street ministry there. Street evangelism, tough trip. Then I went to the Philippines, uh, did a lot of crusades with John Smithwick and Global Ventures. Saw a lot of amazing things. Um, and then I felt led to go to Kathmandu, Nepal with Joyce Myers. You know, she has Hand of Hope. I did a uh, medical mission trip and where the, there were doctors tending the patients and there was a little ministry tent uh, that people would sit in while they were waiting for their prescriptions to be filled. And boy, did I learn how to give a concise gospel message in a very short period of time with some translators. And I tell you, through that, I had never considered myself an evangelist, but the Lord gave me the heart of an evangelist. I tell you what, nobody could get by my tent, you know, without hearing the gospel. You know, they would walk by, I would chase them down. They were going to hear the gospel. So it's amazing what the Lord can do with you when you are out on the mission field, when you think that that's not your calling, there's going to be a time and place for you to work for the Lord while you are out in the field. So, and then in Romania, you know, I was able to actually do some discipleship, some teaching, and work with some of the poorest Roma people in some of the poorest regions of Romania. So I loved it. I love to travel, still travel. I think I've been to over 100 countries now, all the continents. And I'm, I'm still not quite done. But what did I see? I really witnessed God's power in action, right? Not only salvations, but healings and, and discipleship and people really coming to know the Lord in a, in a very strong way. So I had that basis when I retired. And then amazingly, as I was praying to the Lord about what am I supposed to do? You're closing these ministry doors. He sent me on five more trips, <laughs> So I ended up leading a team uh, to India, really got to do a lot of preaching, taught at a, uh, was the first woman to teach at the men's Bible college. Uh, again, something about my military background, my engineering degree, they were like, oh, you're okay to, to teach men. Uh, and then I went to Rio with my awesome friend Ethan here. And, wow, what an amazing time we had really ministering to the, in the lives of a lot of young people. And it, trips like that change you, too. They change you. They draw you to him. Took my daughter on a medical mission trip to Zambia, Africa. So that was an awesome trip. Hong Kong was my first trip with Miss Lana. So, and what an amazing opportunity. There were pastors from... Uh, basement churches that we were able to speak into their lives. 
we were able to pray for them and minister to them while we were in Hong Kong. And then through that, Lana invited me with her to Malaysia, and then I started my, my Southeast uh, travel. So, you know, it took all this coming together and a lot of wise counsel for the Lord to say, you need to do your own thing, and you need to do it for me. So I set up my own ministry, Merrily Madero Ministries, through the wise counsel, again, of some pretty incredible people that are sitting here today. On my board of directors, Phil White is my vice president. Lana is also on my board of directors, and so is my dear friend Pam. So they guide and direct me um, as I do what the Lord calls me to do. I go where he sends me, and I preach and teach at, at what he calls me to do. And what's a blessing about my military background? Why was it important for me to have a military background? Well, it's like being a tent maker. I have a retirement I live off of. So any penny that comes into my ministry goes out. It goes out to support God's work around this world. So I'm blessed that I can, I can do that. And we can go places and not have to worry about people paying us, but we can sow into the lives of a lot of people that way. So I also do a lot of work with an organization called Resource Exchange International. They're headquartered here, um, though I can't say this publicly. Surprisingly, everybody that works here is from the Navigators. Um, and so we do a lot of work in Vietnam. They've been in Vietnam for over 20 years. We do secular teaching. Um, I've taught at over 18 universities now. And you may think, Merrily, how's that sharing the gospel? Well, I don't get to proselytize, but I tell you what, I share my faith in every class. And when I can stand up there as a woman retired colonel and talk about integrity and honesty and how being a Christian, maybe the kind of person I, is, I am today, it's opened a lot of doors for us to minister there. So I've been to Vietnam six times. Um, I've also been asked to teach at pretty much all the major hospitals there, so I do leadership training for the hospitals. And guess what? Surprisingly, built into all my presentations is my faith and how important that is. So I'm very blessed for the opportunity to be able to do that. So is that all I do? Nope. I do a lot of work in Southeast Asia. This is my mentor, uh, Naomi Dowdy. Also, Lana introduced her to me. She's opened a lot of doors for me in Southeast Asia. You see all the different churches that I have preached at or worked at. I also teach at two Bible schools there um, in Singapore. And so hoping to be able to go back there and, and teach this summer. Uh, so is that it? Nope, there's a few other places. I go where the Lord calls me. I was so blessed that um, one of my missionary friends was working with refugees in Berlin. And can you imagine that I'm sitting in that room right here, okay? This is an Afghan soldier deserter. This is a guy from Pakistan sitting next to him. You know who's sitting on this sofa? A guy from Iraq and a guy from Iran. And I'm sharing the gospel, and we're reading the Bible in German, Arabic, Farsi, and Dari. And it was amazing. And you see this man right here in the red shirt? Him and his family were actually visiting from Iran. And we were able to lay hands and pray for him, you know, because he had to be pretty much a hidden Christian in Iran. But it was also, also awesome to hear about how the church is exploding there as well. So another awesome opportunity I was able to do, of course, with my dear friend, Lana. So you guys remember in 2019, the Easter bombings in Sri Lanka. 
Well, Lana and I were able to go there not six months later and sow into the lives of the pastors there. So we did a free conference, paid for it all out of our own ministry funds, so that we could sow into the lives of the pastors there. They were down, they were defeated, they were struggling. A lot of them had lost their churches, lost congregations because of the terrorism attacks. But we were able to go there, speak life into those pastors, and not charge them a penny for it. So then I was able, I went solo up into Norelia, which is where they make pretty much all the tea. All you that had tea tonight was probably made in Sri Lanka. And I was able to do a leadership conference. Um, and there were, I had, think we had 33 pastors that came in. Some of them drove almost 100 kilometers to be able to come for some leadership training that I was able to provide for them. And then, you know, preaching is awesome. But try preaching not with one translations, but two. <laughs> kind of hard to get a flow going <laughs> when you say a sentence, it gets translated one language and then another. So, but it was a great opportunity, and um, I'm so blessed um, for the context that I, that I made there. And, and I'm ex- I was actually texting with the pastor of this church last night. He wants me to come back, so hopefully someday I'll be able to do that. So obviously I love to travel. I travel. So what happens when COVID hits? I don't travel, right? (laughs) So I was able to do a lot of teaching. We continue to teach our classes over Zoom in Vietnam, both in the fall and the spring. I do a lot of mentoring with students um, in Vietnam, especially the women. Again, now this, Vietnam is a communist country, okay? Um, It's still a very kind of secular country. Like when we go teach at engineering universities, do you think there are any women there? No, because women are not allowed to go into engineering in Vietnam. So, so it gives me an opportunity to speak life to the women that are there. Um, teach a Bible study in my home. Some of my friends are here. So, and yes, like Pastor Scott said, I wrote a book. Um, actually, the Lord gave me the idea of this book in 2017, but when you travel 200 days a year, it's kind of hard to write a book. So when COVID hit, guess what the Lord said? Aha! <laughs> You have no excuse but to write that book. (laughs) So please don't blame me for COVID. It's not my fault, but it did give me an opportunity to uh, finish my book. So one more thing I kind of wanted to touch on. Let me call this the elephant in the room. So what's unusual also about this picture? A woman in the pulpit. Don't necessarily see a lot of that, especially here in America. Want to just kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, why am I up here? One, because I am called. I am called to do this. And let me tell you something else. I'm anointed to do this. And how do I know that? So I was being trained to, to teach at a Bible school down in San Antonio when I was still in the military. And after my training, the dean brought me in. And he said, Mary, I want to, I want to lay hands on you and pray over you before you teach your first class. So he puts his hands just on my shoulders, and he starts praying, and I literally felt like somebody was pouring oil over my head, and it was dripping all down the sides. So I take that serious. To me, that's an anointing from God to teach, and I take the James warning pretty serious, too. I do my best to only teach God's word. Um, So I am anointed to do this. I serve under the authority of Jesus Christ, like most of you here. 
I do have ministry credentials, so I do fall under AG national and district leadership. Of course, I have a pretty awesome board of directors that I report to as well. I don't take any big decisions, make any big decisions without their guidance. And guess what? God built some things in me that I get to use that has opened doors that not a lot of women get to do. Having an engineering degree, having a military background, being a colonel, you know what happens when I throw up that picture in Vietnam? Everybody pretty much snaps too. <laughs> Sometimes I make them do push-ups, but I won't make any of you guys do push-ups tonight. Yeah, not anymore. I think I've made Ethan do push-ups before. So, so God has built some interesting things in me that has, that has opened some doors um, that maybe wouldn't have been open to a lot of other people. I mean, I went to an engineering school that was 95% men. The Air Force, the, a lot of men. <laughs> you know, ministry, yeah, a lot of men in that too, not a lot of women. But um, I hope you will look at the calling in somebody's life before you look at, at the gender or their color. So I have a strong belief that, you know, women have a voice, and especially if, it's, if it comes from God. So I applaud Pastor Scott for giving a woman preacher an opportunity to stand in this pulpit. So that means a lot. So thank you, Pastor Scott. So let's wrap up missions, okay? But we're also com we're commanded, right? We're commanded to go. But we're also commanded to support some go in person, some go by praying for missionaries, some go by financially supporting missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries at home. So I hope that you just think for a few minutes about what God has called you to do for missions in your sphere of influence, and that you don't leave here tonight without listening to a little bit of that conviction that I know some of you are feeling right now. There's lots of ways to do that whether it's here or at home, local organizations. I have a friend, Emil, who's from Egypt, who actually has a, a ministry that focuses on Arab refugees here in Colorado Springs. So there's ways to serve even here. So enough about missions. Let's talk about miracles. So how many of you believe miracles can happen today? All right. I love to see that. Who did miracles in the New Testament? A lot of people, right? Jesus, right? So many miracles. So, I mean, he delivered people from demons. Of course, he turned water into wine. A lot of people like to bring that up first. He, uh, he brought people back from the dead. He healed, he healed just some people, right? He only healed some people. He healed everybody. Everybody who came to Jesus was healed. He fed the multitudes, calmed the seas, walked on water. I mean, look at what John wrote. John did many, or Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. So that's pretty amazing when you think about the things that Jesus did. And he wasn't the only one, right? Peter and the apostles, they did some of the same things. Deliverance, brought people back from the dead, healed many, and they had a lot of spiritual revelation that was brought to them. And the same with Paul. Paul did all of these same things. So does that mean these are just Bible stories or are they real for today? 
They are real for today. So look at what Jesus tells us. Jesus said these words, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. So, why do we get to do greater things? Holy Spirit, right? But he makes it very clear. We can do the same things that he does. And Paul kind of tells us our standing as believers. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Right? We get what Jesus got. (laughs) We just need to claim it and ask for it. An heir is someone who's got equal rights and benefits here. So we need to claim that as we are walking out on this. And you know, there's even more. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual gifts that are available to the believers. I know these are a lot of words, but let me read them and let these words sink into your spirit and sink into your soul. Now, dear brothers and sisters, Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the It is the one and the only spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So I'm not going to do a whole teaching on the gifts of the spirit. I'm sure most of you know those. Um, But I just wanted for you to let this sink in your spirit for a minute when we talk about some of the miracles that are available to us today. So let's talk about one of the big ones. So Jesus... Paul and the apostles raised people from the dead. Is that still happening today? Yes, it is. So I kind of brought this here. This is a book from my dear friend, Lana. And there is an incredible story in this book of her raising somebody from the dead in Sri Lanka. So I encourage you, if you want to read this and a lot of other on-the-field stories of miracles and talk to Lana. I've only been in ministry full-time for for a few years, where she has been for 36, 35 years now. So, and that is one of the reasons I'm so blessed to have her in my life and a a part of my ministry team. So, it happens. People are raised from the dead. We just need to claim it and believe it and know that we can walk out in that. So, um, and there's also lots of 
Lots of stories. Let's talk about the next big thing that people don't talk much about today. What about driving out demons? Are demons still in the world today? Can you drive them out? Absolutely. Is it easy? No. <laughs> um, it's tough. And I, and I tell you, you should pretty much have some special training or that gift to be able to do that. Um, again, Lana talks a lot about um, having experience with that in her travels. Um, this, when I was with that mission team in Zambia with my daughter, boy, we had almost every day um, uh, demonic attacks, people kind of charging us, and um, we ended up doing a lot of deliverance ministry. That is really not my gift. I was the one, <laughs> you know, providing support and prayer, but my good friend Deb here, she's here and here, this was one of her primary gifts. And, and I tell you, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see that. It takes a lot of people praying and laying on hands, um, especially when you're dealing with some of the spirits in Africa because there's a lot of demonic activity there. So yes, I've seen it, and yes, I've seen people delivered from it. So trust and believe in that um, and know uh, that that can happen. All right, what about speaking in tongues? Yes, I love that. You know, I have to tell you, I really think it's my favorite gift. Um, so before I talk about that, let's, let's read this verse. The reason I love this verse, because it's the first verse about tongues, and it gives such a graphical representation of what um, tongues is and was when it came on the church at Pentecost. So, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So I love that graphic representation of it. I think that would really make an awesome movie someday. So hopefully we'll see that. Um, like I said, I think it's my favorite of the spiritual gifts because I believe it's available to all, all believers who desire it and seek it can receive this gift. It's one of my favorites because it's a miracle. I think it's a miracle that I can stand up here and anytime I want, talk in another language, and I'm talking directly to God. So that's awesome, right? I want to do that all the time. So I love the communion that I feel with the Father when I'm praying in tongues, right? And it just edifies my spirit. Um, I love the protection it gives me when I'm out riding on my motorcycle. So sometimes I'm praying in tongues a lot. So especially when the traffic is bad or I pass a big truck. Um, when we were in Afghanistan, it was a long walk from where my hooch was to where I worked. And I prayed in tongues every time I took that walk, every time I went back and forth. That protection kind of sustained me. Speaking in tongues was, was an awesome and I think what I love is sometimes I don't know what to pray. Sometimes I'm grieving for somebody in my spirit. Some, sometimes the Lord is putting somebody on my heart, and I don't know how to pray for them. But when I pray in my prayer language, the Lord knows. The Lord is working all those things, you know, and all I have to do is speak it out. 
So I encourage you, seek that. Paul tells us, eagerly desire those gifts. Desire, if you don't speak in tongues, get with Pastor Scott. I'm sure he's going to make it happen. Be glad to pray with you as well. And then make it part of your day. Make it a regular part of your day. So, so, so now we know we use the tongues to speak to the Lord. Does the Lord speak to us? Yes, he does. So what, what amazes me in, in all my teaching, that's, that's probably the number one thing I hear. Well, how do I hear from the Lord? Um, uh, first of all, you have to know Jesus, right? Most important thing, know Jesus. How do you get to know people? Do you just wave at them on Sunday mornings? Not necessarily. You've got to spend a little time with them, right? You've got to have a relationship with them. You've got to talk with them. You've got to invest some time. You've got to understand them. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, every morning, Lord, here's my prayer list, and you rattle them all off, right? <laughs> it's spending time in his word. That's how you understand what he's looking for in us. And I know for me, one of the toughest things, you know, was to be still and listen. If you haven't figured it out, I'm a little bit of a doer. I want to do, I want to go, I want to see. So for me to sit in a place and be quiet and listen, it's hard, right? Your phone's beeping. <laughs> There's stuff going on. You're getting texts, you know. There's Facebook to see. Um, I can tell you I had a pastor once who talked a lot about prayer and fasting. And um, he's the one that first turned me on to Praise Mountain. Anybody here been to Praise Mountain? Well, all my friends are, because I make you go. <laughs> Praise Mountain is a prayer and fast retreat up in Florissant. They have four cabins. You can go up there anytime. You can't take any food. But that's where I first learned to hear the, from the Lord, especially because the first time I went up there, my phone didn't work at all. And so I had no choice but to spend time with God and learn to listen. Now my phone works up, works up there. Sometimes that bothers me when it does work because I like to have the solitude of not having it. So if you're not hearing clearly from the Lord, go somewhere where no one else can talk to you, right? That's the best way to hear and understand from the Lord. But there's others way. There's prophetic words, um, words of wisdom, talks about the future, words of knowledge. You know, I can tell you um, what a blessing that, that I've seen those words play out in people. So again, here is my gang, our gang in Hong Kong, right? There's Lana, there's me, there's Francine. So again, we were able to go and speak life into pastors, pastors from underground churches that were struggling. And, and, the, and it was incredible, the words that would come out the words of hope and encouragement when we prayed for them. Um, and so I, I, I'm a strong believer in that. In, in Romania, this is me and a widow. And I couldn't understand her, and I was talking through a, a translator, and I was just talking with God spoke to her. And I was blessed enough to be the vessel that he used to do that. So trusting that the Lord can use you to speak into somebody else's life. Here in Zambia, again, I was chasing people if they tried to pass my tent because uh, they were going to get ministered to whether they liked it or not. 
And, and again, it was amazing the words that the Lord brought forth to his people there in a very desolate place. And this is in Sri Lanka. I went to preach um, that Sunday at a, at a home church that was almost 70 people. And, uh, and the pastor said, once I finished preaching, he goes, would you pray for people one-on-one? And I said, sure, love, love to do that. Well, the entire church lined up, and I think a few neighbors, um, and I was there for three hours. <laughs> and uh, pretty hoarse by the end, but, but what was it? I mean, God is so awesome. I am speaking these words, and I'd be like, that is really cool. I wish the Lord would say that to me. I mean, the Lord was giving these people so much hope and encouragement and, and bringing up stuff that I had no idea about. But he would bring, use me to bring forth his words to touch the lives of others. So never underestimate the power of your words to speak into the lives of other people. So what about another area, may not be a spiritual gift, protection. Does the Lord protect us? He does, doesn't he? These are some of my favorite verses in Psalms. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And then especially, these are some of the last words from Paul that he wrote to his son Timothy when he said, yes, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. So you may be wondering, what the heck is this? (laughs) Anybody know what that is? It's a force field, right? Where's where's my Star Trek guys, right? So, So... one of the reasons this picture appealed to me is because the Lord set up a force field for me once, and it was amazing. So when I was on that first mission trip to Russia, right, I had my team of 25 youth, right? They were the age from my daughter to about 18. We had six translators, and we would, like I said, go to these parks, right? And we would try to engage in conversation with young people hanging out there and, uh, and try to plant seeds about the Lord. So we had gone to the three parks that we were scheduled to go to that day, and as we were on our way home, we, were pa- we passed this park, and I'm like, well, I don't know why they didn't tell us about this park, but let's stop there. So we get to the park, I, everybody goes into their teams, and all of a sudden I get this impression from the Lord, you need to pray, and you need to pray the entire time. And so I told them all they were on their own, and I just started praying in the Spirit. And I, I literally saw a dome cover us in that park and we were there and I just kept praying and the Lord just kept saying pray in the spirit pray in the spirit pray in the spirit pray in the spirit so I prayed and and everybody's having significant impact and talking to people about the Lord it was probably one of our most successful times and all of a sudden said the Lord said you got 10 minutes and then you need to get out of there so I gathered us up and we split and I could almost see this force field just crumbling around me and we split out of there and when we got back to where we were staying and I was talking to the leaders and I said hey we stopped at this park on the way back and they're like oh my god that is the most dangerous park in the city of St. Petersburg because there are murders and thefts and robberies and rapes there every day but the Lord protected us 
he provided that covering for us. And it was, it was pretty amazing. And I think it can happen to us as well. You know, we live in Colorado Springs. It gets a little snowy here, right? A little icy. Just last year, um, right after one of those awesome, fun snowstorms, I was going down Mark Shuffle. I live off of Mark Shuffle near 24. And if you go south on Mark Shuffle, before you get to 24, you got to go up a little hill. So, you know, I'm, I got the car going to get up the hill, and I get to the intersection. It's a red light. I wanted to stop. Did my car want to stop? No. So my car is just sliding through the intersection. And all of a sudden, I look, and there is a semi-truck coming. And I was way in, fully in the truck's lane. And I just closed my eyes, said, dear Lord, and nothing happened. And all of a sudden, the truck is over there. Didn't swerve, didn't do anything. I do not know what my dear angels did for me, <laughs> but I was protected. I was in that intersection with a truck barreling my way. So sometimes we don't realize how God's protecting us when we don't even realize it. So one more area let's talk about. What about healing, right? Healing exists today. How many people here have been healed? Praise God. Praise God. So I was lucky. I know you can't see this very well. This is actually me dressed up like a clown. So when we were in the Philippines, that was probably my first experience to really seeing healing firsthand. Uh, when I was actually laying hands on this young girl, she was all covered up, and it surprised me because it was very hot there. She took to take off her scarf, and she had this huge goad right there on her neck. And, of course, it was very embarrassing. You know, they were saying it was evil spirits that gave that to her. So um, we didn't necessarily lay hands on people. We wanted them to know that God heals through them. So she, I told her to put her hand there, and then I just rested my hand on hers and prayed for her. And as I was praying, that goad just disappeared. It just disappeared. So, I mean, glory to God. And we did a bunch of crusades. We'd have about, you know, five to 10,000 people a night. And again, people would show up on cots and walk away. People were throwing crutches away. I mean, God can really move out in the spirit. And so in, in Nepal, right, I'm doing my little prayer ministry, right? And this, this young man, this, well, this older man comes up, and the, the translator says, yes, he can't hear at all. So I put my hands on his ears, pray for him, you know, like I've prayed for everybody wherever, wherever they needed uh, a touch. And, um, and then he went on. And about 30 minutes later, <laughs> this guy, he's running around. He's going, whoa, 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 and he is running all around the camp. <laughs> and we, we couldn't even stop him, you know. Finally, one of the translators grabbed him and, to find out what was going on. And he, his hearing got totally restored. And so God, it was amazing that God moved in that. And I, and I want to tell you one other story. Um, so one summer, my mom came and, and spent time with me and my daughter. My dad had passed away a few years before. And when she went back home, the doctor said, there's something wrong. And she called me, and she goes, I have pancreatic cancer. Now, I was in Bible school at the time, and uh, I was in a class on healing, what a coincidence, 
And if you are familiar with Ken Hagen, he had a strong healing ministry. And so I decided I was going to go up to Michigan and make sure my mom got healed. Right? I took all the oil I could find, went up there, prayed for her, laid hands on her, did everything, and she passed away in two months. I didn't really understand that. And then seven months later, the doctor calls me up and says, you have pancreatic cancer. You have a golf ball-sized tumor. It's very, pain, it's very dangerous. Um, so defining moments of your life when the surgeon says to you merely, if this Whipple surgery goes well, which is an incredibly, incredibly dangerous surgery, you could live up to two more years. So what do you think my first thoughts were? Really, I was like, woohoo, I'm out of here. You know? I was like, woo, I'm going to be dancing on the streets of gold. You know, I'm done with worries. I'm done with tears. I'm done with pain. I'm going to heaven. See ya. But guess what the Lord, did you think that was the Lord's plan? He said, no, Marilyn, you're not done. You're not done with my work here. My church laid hands on me. My daughter was in high school at the time. And, you know, I was in the hospital about a month. A Whipple's pretty intensive surgery to have to go through. Three times, you know, my surgeon was not a believer. Three times he came into my room and said, Merely, I can't explain it, but. Merely, I can't explain it, but. And um, that was 12 years ago. And I've had no recurrence. And guess what? I volunteered to go to Afghanistan after that. Because I could. Because at the end of me, he's not going to take me out with pancreatic cancer. He sure is not going to take me out in Afghanistan. So I stand here as a testament to God's miraculous power of healing in our lives. And so I hope you trust in that as well. So, so I hope this is this has helped you think a little bit about your role in missions and has given you a little hope in the miracles that are alive today that we just need to proclaim and claim in our own lives. So with that, this is my website, my ministry. If you're interested in, in keeping up with me, get on my website, get on my mailing list. I only send out newsletters quarterly but I'd love to be able to keep in contact with you guys. I will be in Colorado probably until around April. Um, our district council in Michigan is the first week of May. I need to get back for that, and I have some preaching and teaching I'll be doing in Michigan. And would you also pray that the doors open for me to go back to Singapore uh, this summer? Um, and in between that, you'll see me come and go. <laughs> and I look forward to spending time with you all. So with that, would you allow me to close in prayer? Heavenly Father, you are a great God. You are a marvelous God. Thank you for reminding us of how great you are and that you care for us so much, that you want great things for us, that you want miracles in our lives, dear Lord. Father God, thank you for the people that we are allowed to touch. Let us bring them closer to you in our words, our thoughts, our actions, and what we do and what we say. And we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.